and welcome to a, another little interview moment with Player One. My name is Dem, I'm here with Jacob and Nick and our special guest, Grant Kerbhope. How are you going? I'm very good, how are you? Da, 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 yeah, da, 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 da. That's all right, how are you? <laughs> so exciting. Um, if you're unaware of who we are talking to, Grant is, of course, of rare fame, composing music for Banjo-Kazooie, DK60, Golden Eye, Perfect Duck, and now Ukulele, Warcraft, and even Minecraft. How exciting. Oh, I am truly yeah. thrilled, personally. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm sure everyone else here is as well. Very exciting. No. I'm glad. It's, uh, you know, when you read off that list, it seems a bit like, it, did I really do it? It seems, it's like, you know, it seems like such a lot of good games. So I've been, I've been very lucky. So good. No. Um, like it's We read it and we're like, Wow, you're like a superstar. Yeah, you're talking to I'll us. Talk to my wife. She'll she'll soon put you straight about that. <laughs> Classy. Sweet. This is amazing. Um, I've got a I've got a big fat question for you. I've been thinking about it for a very long time. All right. So we'll open up with this one. So obviously you've you've composed some of the greatest uh, games in my opinion, personally, Donkey Kong sixty four and Banjo Kazooie. Uh, games that I grew up with. Um, however, I want to know what the what the prelude to your rare career was. After seeing, like, recently, you posted by recently, like maybe like in the last six seven months, you posted that you hung out with Van Halen and he gave you a guitar. Well, yes, yeah, I guess yeah, that's true. It's um, kind of wild. How did you get? So, how did you get onto the the path down to hanging out with Van Halen, and then from Van Halen, how did you get to rare? So after I left college at like 22, I did a proper music degree. I was a trumpet player. I was a self-taught like metal guitar player from the age of 12. I started trumpet at like six. So I did the proper classical thing through school and stuff. And then I uh, went to university at 18 to 22. I only really went because it meant it was four years about not getting a job. You know, I could just spend four more years dossing about, you know, not getting a job. So I didn't really want to be a classical trumpet player, but, you know, I was good at it. So I went. Um, and then when I went, and then after that, I came home. And I, you know, I, I was played in like, um, I played in metal bands all the time, you know, sort of during that period. My, my dream was to be in like Judas Priest at Iron Maiden. That's what I wanted to do, really. Something like that. Um, you know, a massive Van Halen fan, of course. Uh, so, but so I went up at 22. I just ended up playing in local bands in the area. I guess like you guys got pub rock over there. It's just like that, playing that pub rock, covers bands, trying to make money. A couple of the metal bands I played for, we got like little albums on indie labels and stuff like that. Um, and then I joined a band called Zoot and the Roots, who were quite a big UK, um, like, soul funk band that played band on trumpet. We did quite a lot of stuff for them, you know, we were a very big uni band back then, did a lot of, you know, so they're very well known. I did it for quite a long time, actually, probably like seven years, and I kind of made money out of that. But um, I was sort of basically, I don't, we call it the dole in the UK, when you on the dole, when you claim unemployment benefit, I don't know if you call it that in Australia, and it's that. So I was kind of off and on unemployment benefit, playing in bands, pub rock, all that. And then a, a, a friend of mine, a, a band called Little Angels, who were quite a big UK rock band, they had a number one album in the UK. They said, but one of a horn section. So, you know, there aren't too many long end trumpet players, you know. <laughs> like, you know. So, so I played trumpet for them with a friend of mine on trombone and later a guy on sax. And so 
they they did, they did really well. So bigger the UK, but we did some big support tours. So like we opened up for like Bon Jovi on a six week European tour on the I'll Sleep When I'm Dead tour, playing these massive stadiums like ninety thousand seat arenas. It was just incredible. I think it was us, Billy Idol and Bon Jovi. It was, it was good fun. Billy Idol was a great laugh. Uh, you just say it so offhandedly. It's like, oh yeah, just you yeah. know, oh, no, a couple no, of the Golden no. Boys. It's fine. <laughs> Last time, what we did back then, and we did a, the big six-week Van Halen tour around Europe, around Europe as well. Um, that was like playing sort of Wembley Arena sort of sizes, sort of, I guess like ten thousand seaters. Um, and like, um, you know, being a guitar player, you know, Eddie was my absolute god idol, and so to, to be on a tour with them, I couldn't believe it. And like, he was such a nice, friendly man. And I'm not trying to say that just because he's passed away. He really is. He really was a seriously nice man. And I sort of spent every day of that six-week tour talking to him. I kind of thought, I'm never going to meet him ever again. This is my chance to ask him every question I've ever wanted to ask him ever, you know. So, you know, and we all got friendly with the band because it was super nice to us, some really friendly guys. And we got to Paris. It was the last show before coming back to the UK for the two last shows in the UK. And um, I said to Eddie, can I have a picture with him? There's a picture of me with long hair. Uh, you can find it. It's on, it's on Twitter. Right? And he said, yeah, sure, Grant. So I took the picture. Grant, can I, can I have a word with you? I thought, oh, God, I've done something wrong. You know, he didn't like the picture of, oh, my God, you know. He took me to this little room by the side, just me and him, and shut the door. I thought, this is a bit strange, you know. Uh, he said, look, man, he said, you know, just, you know, we've been friends, friends over the last few weeks. I, I was, you know, I want to give you a guitar. And I was like, you're kidding, right? And I said, I'm happy with a plectrum. Honestly, I, a plectrum would be fine, you know. He said, no, no, I've got a guitar coming for you. It's coming to Wembley, Wembley Arena. I just thought, I mean, I couldn't believe it. And then he kissed me, right? <laughs> I think about Eddie, right? Honestly, the truth is, right, he's, anybody that knows him will tell you he, he's a real kisser, right? He kisses all, all the time. So... I remember we were doing a gig in Essen in Belgium, and it was a, and me and the drummer from Little Angels, Mark Richardson, who in our place was Crunk and Nancy. Um, uh, we were waiting backstage to say we really enjoyed the show that we did every night, you know. And Eddie came out, they've all got these little bathrobes away with a name on the thing, and he came out of his thing, and we were looking depressed, and we were like, what's wrong, Eddie? He said, oh, terrible show, man. And we were like, what? We thought it was actually fantastic. It blew our balls off, you know. So, uh, so he goes, oh, cheers, guys. He kissed us both on the lips like that. <laughs> like, you know, that was the first time I'm a bit unexpected. Uh, and we both walked across the car park because the hotel was just across the car park, like not talking to them, can't look at them. So just like, you know, Eddie's kissed us, didn't he? Yeah, he did. Yeah, no. They're just like, like you know, um, super nice man, you know. So we did those big tours. We did, like, we did that Brad Adams when he was, uh, you know, that, that big hit from the Robin Hood film, the uh, Everything I Do, I Do It For You. Like we did a big UK tour with him. We just did football stadiums, like 20, 30,000, I guess a bit bigger than that. And we ended up at Wembley Stadium, the old Wembley Stadium, it's for 70,000 people. So, we did these, you know, genuinely giant gigs. And we, obviously, we were the opening act, the support band, you know. So anyway, so that all went on, right? So after a while, Little Angels decided to split up. So I was back to pub rock, you know, kind of thing. Thirty-five pounds a night, you know, that was it on my guitar that Eddie gave me <laughs> in pub rock, you know. Uh, so um, uh, and I met a friend of mine who was in one of the local bands that I played for, called Robin Beanland, um, who's a keyboard player said, oh, I've got a job. I was like, what? Like, knowing that I knew you got a job, all, all of us just played in bands and sound on the door and all that. That's what we did, you know. What a mood. <laughs> oh, I know. That, you know, he said, well, yeah, I'm going to go work for Comic Called Ray. I was like, never heard of one. What do they do? It was just about 1993, I think, something like that. Uh, and he said, well, you know, they do video games, and I'm, that's it, I'm off. So I was like, put me next. So off he went. So at this point, I was, got to like 1994, I was 32, and I was still living at home with my mother. Never moved out, <laughs> apart from the four years at college. I was dreadful. Uh, and Robin said to me, look, Grant, you know, you've been on the door for like 11 years practically, on and off. Don't you think it's time you got a job? And I was like, well, you know, what can I do? He said, well, why don't you try writing music for video games like I'm doing? And I was like, you know, I mean, I think it was when I was at college, right, I was super bad at harmony. Like I failed the exam three years out of four. I was so bad at it, I was dreadful. 
Like, you know, I just, I thought I'm never going to pass this. I'm just, just too stupid to do it, you know. I said, well, I'll have a go. So I bought an Atari ST with a Mega RAM because Mega RAM was big in those days. Copy of Cubase with a, you know, sequencing program. Uh, I, synth, I synth. And I set about writing tunes that I thought were appropriate for video games. I mean, I played a lot of games at the time. I was on the SNES then, you know. So I sent four, uh, five cassette tapes, the cassette tapes in, uh, over, uh, to Rare uh, over the course of 1994. Never got a reply. And then out of the blue, I got a letter saying, please come for an interview. Couldn't believe it. Oh, so I had to write three pieces to take with me, like a Batman-style orchestral piece, uh, a guitar-based fighting tune, like because they were doing Killing Instinct at the time, Killer Instinct, and like a platforming Mario piece. I wrote this really, really quickly, went down for the interview on the Friday, got a letter on the Monday, got the job. Couldn't believe it. So absolute fluke. Like if Robert had never gone and done it, I'd never done it. If they never suggested it to me, I'd never done it. It's absolute fluke. I never, I never once. I, I, I wrote some for the metal bands that I played for, but that was it. So being a composer was like, you're joking, aren't you? I'm crap at it. So I would, I would do it. I really don't know. Look, what a wild ride! Oh my gosh, yeah. I love that. It's kind of <laughs> nice to hear that even the greats started out a little rocky. <laughs> oh, a little rocky! Christ, that was dreadful. <laughs> uh, I know our audience would be super interested to know, like over the years, I imagine your setup for recording and composing has changed. Uh, I imagine majorly. What has that looked like, and how has I guess the technology evolving um, since then? As you said, like a mega RAM back then was huge. How has that changed composing for you? So, like, I just compose the way I've always composed. Right? I'm, I'm not a very intellectual composer. <laughs> I always kind of say that. <laughs> I just kind of load up a sample, like a French horn, a bassoon, a clarinet, or something, some synth patch, and I mess around until I think it sounds good, and I find a tune that I like or a set of chords that I like. I'm not really very kind of, you know, oh, yes, I need inspiration, you know, I'm not, I'm not like that. I just mess around until I, until I find something. So, you know, technology got better. So, you know, you can use these great, huge orchestral sample libraries now where you can, you can you know, I've just bought the BBC Symphony Orchestra um, sample library from Spitfire Audio, which is a fantastic library. It's, you know, it sounds fantastic. You know, so, um, so, you know, all I've got here is like, it's not fancy at all. I've mean, a lot of composers have got fancy studios. I've, I've just got this room here that I was composing. It's not very fancy at all. Um, I've got... I've got I've got a good computer, so I bought one from PC Audio Labs, who are a company in, in Nashville in America who make just specific audio computers for the, all the big boys. Not you know, not me. I'm the lowly. I'm the lowly, but all the big Hollywood people, you know. Um, and it's like, uh, you know, it's good. It's, it's a three gigahertz, ten core, twenty virtual core. I've got ninety six gig of RAM in it. You can go to one twenty eight. I'm going to put some more in it. So it's pretty beefy, you know, computer. Um, but that's it. That's the only bit of kit that really I've got that costs any money. Really, I mean, that's like. That's it. I've not got anything fancy at all. I've got a good, decent mic. But, you know, I'm just sitting here most of the time writing music using synths or orchestral sample libraries, you know. So it's, it doesn't need to be in the live environment. It's all in the computer. So I don't, I don't need to record. I think sometimes I play guitar or something else if I have to, you know, if I need to. Um, but I generally get asked to write stuff orchestrally or synthy stuff, like the Minecraft stuff's all synthy. So, you know, since these days... I haven't got any hardware since it's all the software plugins inside the, inside the computer. So, you know, I've just, I've just, that's what I've got. I've got the, the Roland um, cloud library, which has got the old, all the old, ooh, pardon me, it's, it's me tea. Uh, it's all, it's um, got all the old, like, Synth, the Juno 106, Juno 60, the Jupiter, all that stuff. It's all set as plugins now, you know, it sounds amazing. So I kind of feel like I've, I haven't got a lot to, to brag about, I'm afraid. <laughs> Not really. <laughs> I'm sure some of our, our view, uh, listeners even would be, chuffed with the sound of that system though like you well, could definitely I, run a couple well, of games on that well i don't think your computer is, is, is beefy definitely beefy computer but i kind of mm -hmm. felt like you know i spent money on that because i 
I am a professional computer. <laughs> I kind of thought it's cheaper not having a professional access to me. For God's sake, Grant, just buy a blooming professional computer. Stop mucking about with these nonsense rubbish things that you've got. So I was like, yeah, I suppose it makes pretty sense. It's my job now, right? So, so yeah, I've got a decent computer. Very nice. That's I imagine to a lot of our fans, it's uh, very nice to hear that uh, you don't have a massive studio and it makes it feel a little bit more reachable uh, to follow, I guess, in your footsteps. But um, speaking of following in footsteps, are there any pieces of music that really, uh, I guess, inspired you to maybe change your composition style or just something that really stuck with you over the years? Well, I think as a kid, like Star Wars, of course, and like Indiana Jones, all that, all that kind of John Williams, because he's my hero, you know. But the, the first thing that really blew me away was the Danny Elfman score to the first Batman movie. Like, I absolutely loved that score. I mean, that's the first, I think it's the first orchestral soundtrack that I actually bought in its entirety. I had you know, bits and pieces tracks from John Williams, like E.T. and things like that, but not an actual full album of it. And that, full, that CD, I, I could not believe how good it was. Like, that's a spectacular sound. I kind of feel like the only Batman theme that exists to me is a Danny Elfman. I don't care what anyone else has written after that. It's Danny Elfman, that's it, you know. It's just, I remember in the cinema when that first bit opens up and it's like the camera going around the logo, you can't quite tell what it is. And when it pulls back, it goes to that huge, great chord, you know, da, 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 da. I just sat in the cinema, just like, you know, tears are down my cheeks, you know, completely shivering, like, just like, just blew me out the window. So I loved Danny Elfman back then. Um, so yeah, I guess that's my first thing that really changed my thing. And also there's a bit in that movie, right? There's a bit when the, when he, when the bat, bat plane crashes on the steps of the cathedral. And Batman gets out, and there's a cold sequence that happens there that I've stolen. I've used it for a gazillion things. Like Man Must Man, I can't even count. There's that many. Like, Man Must Mansion is that cold sequence. It only happens twice. And he just gets out the bat plane, and it kind of plays. Has this cold, this cold sequence, and it plays a French horn theme tune, and he goes inside the cathedral, and it plays again. It only happens twice in the type movie. And I was like, Why didn't you play it all the time? That's a fantastic, you know. So I just stole it, and that's a forevermore. He's, it, I've just my entire career is based on a lie. Based on a Batman movie. Very nice. <laughs> The best um, Batman movie. Indeed. Mm. I feel like you may have just answered the question for me a little bit, but um, I guess I was going to ask, who is your favourite composer of all time? I imagine it's Danny Elfman by the sounds of that. But well, actually, the- it's oh. actually John Williams, right? John Williams is, my, is my, my hero for all time. But a real Danny Elfman phase, like in the 90s, about, you know, when he did Batman and Beetlejuice and that, and that kind of stuff. And like uh, Mars Attacks and things. I, mean, I, love, I love the scores to all those movies. And Danny Elfman's got such an identifiable style, you cannot miss it. You can tell it a mile away. Like John Williams, you can tell it a mile away. And I like things like that. I like it we can really tell who it is. You know, I feel like 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 his guitar player, for me, he, Brian May playing a guitar, you can tell it's him a mile away. You don't have to even know, he's got a certain style, right? Eddie Van Halen, I can tell it's him without knowing anything about the track, you know, there's even plays a guest on some other track, I can always tell it apart. I think that um, I like people who've got a, a, their own sound, you know, that you can, you can distinguish, you know. Well, going off that, are there any composers of the last five years that have caught you? Anyone big that you've just, you know, caught on to? Uh, not really. Uh, so, uh, like, I, I get, I'm old, right, so I'm an old school, right, I'm an old school dude, you know, so um, one, one thing that stood out to me, it's... I, it's still quite new to me because I haven't bought much since then. But it's like there's a guy called Ilanesh Kerry. He did that um, Ghost of Sunya. Like, that one, yeah, he's on that. But he did a movie called Stardust um, uh, ages ago in, in the early 2000s. And that score blew me out the window. I thought it was absolutely fantastic. It's a movie that a lot of people haven't seen. It's like Robert De Niro, uh, Michelle Pfeiffer. You know, uh, it's a kind of a fantasy witchy thing. But it's a fantastic movie, but the score is 
absolutely brilliant. And I bought it the day after and I've played it ever since. And when I was working on Viva Pinata, that score really influenced me on that, on that, on that, on that, on that, on that music. But um, yeah, he, I thought it was great on that. Um, who else have I liked? I'll tell you, I, 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 I'm, I'm not the hugest fan, but I like, I think Daniel Pemberton's got a really original sound to him. He's got, he, he seems to, he's a bit off the wall, you know, I like, I like the fact that he's, he can tell it's, it's original. So I like that. But I just, you know, I like the old big boys like, you know, John Williams, Alan Silvestri, you know, you know, I like those guys because they're just right, you know, when you listen to Back to the Future, it's just a masterpiece, right? Mm. You know, it's, you can't sit a mile away. Any of John Williams themes, Harry Potter, you know, you can't miss them. They're so identifiable, you know, and I kind of feel like there's that video on, on YouTube somewhere that says there's a guy with a mic going around the street saying, can you sing uh, Indiana Jones? Can you sing Star Wars? Can you sing Harry Potter? And everyone can sing that, right? Everyone can do it. And can you think, sing Thor, like face? Can you sing Spider-Man? Blank face. It's like, what happens? What's, you know, Marvel Universe is such a gigantic thing. It's multi billion dollar, way bigger than Star Wars. But like, why can't you sing those themes? Mm. The only thing that I remember from, from the, the Marvel Universe is the, is the Avengers theme. And that's Anil Silvestri, who's an old composer who knows how to write a theme, right? So for me, it's a bit like, I, I may be completely unpopular and I totally get it, but like, I just like to hear a nice theme that I can remember. I want to come out of the, the movie theater whistling a tune that's in the, in the movie, right? I want to come out of that. And I find a lot, yes. a lot of, I know, I know, and I kind of find a lot of movie, modern movie soundtracks, they all sound gigantic and epic and amazing, but unremarkable. You can't remember a note of it. And exactly. Purely like, oh unmemorable. This is what I was saying when I came out of Avengers. And I was like, I just can't remember it. And they were like, oh, no, there was definitely a theme there. Like, no, there was not. The first Avengers had like a little tiny, sorry, now I'm on. Yeah, that's, that's like the best, <laughs> the best of Marvel, right? The Avengers one. It's like, at least you can remember that. Like, I feel like, you can't remember any of the other ones, or I certainly can't. I mean, maybe some people can, but I can't. And I kind of feel like, why is that? It's surely, I, I, maybe people think it's sick of themes, I don't know. But I kind of feel like video games is the last bastion of themes, right? It's, it's mm. themes all over video games. They're everywhere in video games. And I like even Even um, animated TV shows, they're dying out as well because people are shortening the sequences to like five seconds. Like I saw a great I, video on the X-Men theme. Um, from the 90s TV show, like that is probably the quintessential X-Men theme. You couldn't whistle or hum another one. No, it's so true. I know, like, if you think of Game of Thrones, that theme's a big, long theme, right? Everyone knows that, right? And everyone loves exactly. it. Well, what, what's the problem? Like, people like to have something to whistle gun to, to work in the morning. You know, I kind of feel like, you know, you don't hear too, hear too many ambient tracks at number one in the charts, do you? Because people don't buy them. Like, it's pretty Lady Gaga, and the reason she's there is because she's written a bloody tune you can remember. You know, you can exactly. whistle morning sing itself in a bath or whatever in the shower you know so for me i, I, I i'm not saying you have world to war themes I, I, I totally know it's not right but i like to have a couple of themes i can remember like star wars without the themes in it like luke's theme Darth Vader, all that you know it would be the same movie would it it's like we'd be just old i don't think star wars would be star wars without the music to be honest yeah, like even just... some of the even some of the weaker entries in star wars are just elevated by its music i know so anyway for me that's what i think about i i, I I kind of feel like I preach as everyone that I talk to, but I can't help it. <laughs> no, I'm the same. I'm the same. I'm always going on about this kind of stuff. <laughs> Come on, guys. Bring it back. <laughs> cool. Well, that is definitely an, a vibe. I, I am on that vibe. During last year, though, did you find yourself, like many other artists, there was a trend of artists on social media, all sorts of uh, streaming services, doing challenges and stuff like that, you know, challenging themselves to compose something, take requests and stuff like that. Did you find yourself doing COVID challenges, I suppose, during 2020? 
Not really. I mean, I guess they're not going to get involved in that. Well, no one asked me to put it that way. So, <laughs> not, with that, not with that blog, dude. Get somebody else, you know. Uh, so, not really. I did that Paper Mario thing uh, a little while ago. I did a guitar. They did this massive 20 minute thing called, I can't remember what it's called now, but it's on YouTube. It's on YouTube. Um, and they got like tons and tons of video game people to join in and, and they did this massive 20 minute Paper Mario sort of, of the last game of the tunes on that. And that was a really great fun to do. It was, it was, I did a little kind of 20 second guitar solo. Um, but they had so many great people on there and it sounded so, they put such a lot of effort into the production. It was incredible. So, you know, I, you know, I really admire these people that cover my stuff or anybody else's stuff or whatever it is, because they do such a fantastic job. I mean, much better than I could do, you know? And I mean, it's just, it's, it's, it's astonishing how many fantastically talented people there are out there. And because of the advent of YouTube and all, Twitter and all the rest of it, you get to see them now, you know, and like, People link me stuff all the time to when someone's covered my stuff on Twitter. And I, you know, they're always fun to, a novel taken it, just bassoons, just whatever, something bizarre. You know, it's just, it's just, a, for once, I'm, for one point, I'm massively flattered that they even both do, do my stuff right for once. But that aside, it's just, it's just fantastic, really fantastic. Would you ever consider doing like a live stream and taking requests and doing things in like banjo style? Or? But honestly, this is. This, Honestly, I would, I couldn't do it, and the reason is, is because I'm, I'm, I am the world's worst piano, piano player. I'm the, <laughs> sorry, I'm the, word I'm the world's worst piano player. I really, honestly, you wouldn't believe how bad I am at piano. Like, I'm, I'm a guitar player, you know, I can do that, but like playing my own stuff on the piano, I really couldn't do it. I would be able to play it to you now with two hands. I'm crap at it, piano. Uh, I've always been crap at piano playing. I've, I've, that's that's why I can't believe I managed to do it. I don't know how I would do it. I'm useless at it. Like you see people like Austin Winter just kind of go, well, off we go, you know, and it's like fantastic. I'm like, I couldn't do one hand of it, never mind both. So Weird. I don't know how I, I couldn't, I'd like to do it, but I keep thinking I'm going to practice one day and do it, but I just never do. I'm just, I just can't do it. I'm not good enough. It's such a vibe. No, always envy those people who can just sit down and go, I'm going to play a full soundtrack oh, now. Oh, oh, so it's so, I'm so happy for that for those people. It's just amazing to be able to do that. I can't, I just can't do it. I'm useless. Absolutely. <laughs> so fair. <laughs> It's true though. <laughs> I think I did seven years of piano and I still can't play it. It's fantastic. <laughs> I, guarantee, I guarantee you better than me already. <laughs> I know it. <laughs> on the topic of, uh, I suppose, remixing, people taking on music, all this amazing world of music in general online, what do you think of other people remixing your music? Because you obviously uh, remixed some music, your own music for uh, Smash Brothers. Right. No, I love that. I mean, it, it's massively flattering. Like, you know, I keep thinking, why did they bother to do my stuff? I, I just think it's amazing. And, and people put such a lot of effort into it. And I, I know how long it takes to produce something like that, that, that quality, you know, so fantastic. You get all the metal guys, you get bizarre quartets, quintets, all that stuff going on. Orchestras have done it as well. Like, it's just, you know, it's, it's really heartwarming, super flattering. I love it. I, I, not, I just think it's great. So good. So good. Um, yeah, I feel like you've answered all of these bits. Oh, <laughs> I was wondering um, about Mario and Rabbids because you remixed a lot of Nintendo music. What was that like? So that whole episode was, was kind of equal parts scary to equal parts amazing. Like to get asked to work in a Mario game, like I never believed it. If you asked told me that in 1995 when I started, like to be the first Western composer to work in a Mario game is just ridiculous. And I kept thinking, why on earth did they ask me? There's plenty of better people than me. Plus Nintendo got like way better composers than me. Like why are they bothering? Anyway, but I know it was, it was Ubisoft, right? So, um, so that, you know, that was just a fantastic thing. And then they said to me, we want you to uh, rearrange the Mario Castle theme from Mario 64 and 64. And I, you know, I love that game. Cause like it rare, 
that when I first went to Rare, we were working the N64. We all got one given to us by the company. We got we got Mario. I think we got Mario given Mario for free or something. So we all played it to death, and we all loved that game. I mean, it was just it, you know we couldn't. That was the first 3D game that we'd ever touched or seen. You know, it was just uh, such an eye opener. We're all like, oh my god, how are we going to beat this? It's just amazing. So, and I love that tune. It's a great tune that is. So I was thinking, oh, that, that's, it's fantastic to be to be able to rearrange that tune for Mario Rabbids. But equally, I make a mess of it. What Koji Konda, who is you know. The, the Jedi Master, and I'm just a mere Padawan, you know. Like, um, what, what's he going to think if I mess it up and make it work? An awful job of it. So I tried to mix together a bit of me, a bit of him, a bit of me, a bit of that kind, kind of goes, and it turned out well, and he, and he liked it. So I was happy about that. Um, you know, it was really, it was a great experience. I kind of feel that was part of the reason why they came to me for Smash Brothers. I think they, they saw that I was respectful of Koji Kondo's music, and I think they thought they could deal with me. You know, <laughs> I'm all right to deal with. You know. Um, so, um, but I had to do some little of the uh, in-game ditty stingers for the for my rabbit, like the game over da, 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 that one, right? I had to do it with orchestra. So I had to work it out by ear because I just went to YouTube and found the ditty and worked it out by ear. And I'd got some of the notes mixed up, not the what weren't the wrong notes. I think they're in the wrong register, something like that. And I got a little email from them. Um, so you're very polite, dear Mister Coco. We love, we like your rendition of the game over theme. But could you just please alter some notes? And I was like, oh, and so, and it sent me a little bit of sheet music of the actual game of a ditty. And that's one of those moments you kind of go, I've just got the sheet music to the game of a music from Mario. You know, it was like super special just to get that little thing and go, God, look at this. <laughs> so that was actually amazing. So, you know, little moments like that, you never forget the And also, like, just working on the game itself, and I was doing the, the cinematic sequences, my son would walk past and go, You know, Dad, can you believe that's Mario on the screen? And I'd have to go, God, it is. I'm actually writing music to to Mario, you know, like just amazing. Amazing. It's like the golden ticket to the oh, factory. You know, never believed it. And then get the Smash Brothers thing after that. I was like, why are you asking me? You know, it's like just amazing. <laughs> oh, goodness. I'm so glad you did it. It's so cool. Yeah, me too. Like, it's a complete, you know, life life milestone in it to get something like that. I'll, I'll never forget the, the, that, those moments, you know. Just, just off the back of Smash Bros, though, like, when you saw, um, I guess, the actual announcement trailer for uh, Banjo and Kazooie being put into Smash, what was going through your mind and how were you able to keep that under wraps for so long? Because I, mm. I imagine you wanted to tell everyone. Yeah, oh God, I was bursting to tell them. <laughs> you know, when I, f I got, first got the email from them, Davide Soliani, who's the creative director at Ubisoft Milan, who we did the Rabbids game with. He messaged me to message me to say, message me to say, um, Grant, Nintendo tried to get hold of you. Do you mind if I pass on your email address? I was like, Are you crazy? Pass, pass, the three, pass it on, you know, pass it on for God's sake. So I got a little email from them just saying, um, uh, Dear Mr. Kirkhope, uh, we've got a project we'd like you to collaborate on, or assist, I think assist us with it, something like that. Uh, are you interested? I was, I was a bit like, <laughs> You know, am I interested? I don't care what it is, you name it, I'll do it, you know. Uh, one note's fine with me, you know. So, um, I got, I got to sign the NDA, you know, the non-disclosure non agreement thing. So that took off from them to my agent, to me, to back, took a little bit of time to sort out. And then when that was done, I got the email saying it's Banjo Kazooie. And I was like, oh, and I kept thinking to myself, is it Banjo Kazooie? Is it Banjo Kazooie? Is it Banjo Kazooie? You know, like that. And I, then I kept thinking, but why would they do that? Because all the Smash uh, Smash remixes are all done by the Japanese guys who are really good at it. Like their, their remixes, all the tunes are just fantastic. I thought, why would they, I'm, I'm not good, I'm not as good as that. Why would they want me to do it? You know, so. Anyway, Banjo Kazooie, I was like, oh Christ, you know, this, and so look, just write a two minute or two, a four minute piece, whatever it was, um, whatever you want, pick what you like. I was like, oh, you know, absolutely fantastic. So 
I kept thinking, which piece should I choose? And I just couldn't think. I thought, oh, it's got to be Sparrow Mountain. You know, it's got to be. So, so I started doing that. And I started off with a big kind of grand orchestral thing that's at the, at the back of the track now. And they sent me a little PowerPoint document that said sort of, um, uh, so it said, you know, it's like a PowerPoint thing. And they must give it to all the Smash composers, anybody, that, you know, that's all, so everyone does, does the same thing. It's like four second intro, do the main theme, and then calm it down towards the end, ready for the loop to go around again. You know, that kind of sort of, you know, skeleton thing, you know. So I start with so I started off with a four, intro four or five seconds into the big tune, you know, you know, and then, it, and then I sort of switched to banjo and much smaller, sort of three quarters of the way through to loop it round, you know, thinking I'd, I'd like this. I sent it off to oh yeah, we like it, but can you switch it round? Can you put this, the quiet banjo bit, well the lower in volume banjo bit at the start, and then after that you just go as crazy you want for with the orchestra. And I was like, this is so different to what they sent me in the PowerPoint, you know. So I did that, Mr. Sakurai. Would, would review it and his English isn't, isn't very good so um one of the guys at Nintendo who's a Brit who's a, actually a Brit guy from Scotland which is I'm from Scotland so great he was contacting me saying can you change this can you change that little bits and pieces and we got to like 10 versions and they said yeah we're done and I was like you know all the time bursting going magic is it, magic is it. you know the fact, I, I knew the fans were going to go ballistic when they you know when they, when they found out so they said to me um actually we like your music so much we're going to put it in the trailer and I was like you know can't just get any better, you know, like somebody up there likes me, you know. Um, and so, but I saw, I saw, I saw the battle, the battle at the background. I saw that, but I didn't see Banjo-Kazooie. They, they were so close to getting it done to what's next to the announcer. I didn't see any, any of the kind of the action they did, but I saw the background. So, you know, Grunty flying around and all that, just amazing. So um, I said, oh yeah, you know, I said, but I just said, so it's all right if I tweet about it on the day, you know, I'm going to do a little video and all that. And I said, yeah, yeah, but can we just send a video to us so we can check it over? I was like, all right. So I sent the little video that I did, you know, what are you going to tweet? I said, I'm going to tweet this. And so they reviewed it. I said, yeah, that's fine with us. But the only thing is, you can't tweet anything until it's actually live on the Smash Brothers site. Right? The music's on the... And I was like, all right. So the announce came at like 9.40 my time in the morning, you know. And, you know, I, I hadn't seen the trailer. So when they played it, I was in tears like everybody else. I was, I was like, oh my God, it's Lena. Like, you know, couldn't just streaming down my cheeks going, oh, I can't believe this happened, you know. And my Twitter was going, like this. But I couldn't, I couldn't comment. So... It, it didn't, they didn't get live on the site till 11 o'clock in the, in the morning. So to wait an hour and 20 minutes, just about bursting, you know, the blood pressure is like rising every minute, you know. So, so, and so I finally, because yeah, you're good to go. I was like, oh, I, I did it, I did it, I did it, <laughs> you know, like that. So that was fantastic. I mean, you know, I kind of feel that what, watching back at the, all those fan reaction videos on YouTube, you can see a lot of them. Like, you know, honestly, I, don't, I cry every time I watch them. I, I, I'm just, I like, I cry like everybody else. I think, I feel like, Banjo and Smash was such a release for the Banjo fans to get Banjo back in the game again after all that time. Um, seeing everybody, the emotions pour out. It was just, it was just a, such a heartwarming. And that's, I'll never forget those moments. They're like spectacular, you know. Seeing like at the end of Nintendo store in um, New York City where we were, we, we, we were there to launch the Mario Rabbids game. We did launched it from there. And seeing the people upstairs there watching the TV going, it's Banjo and just going crazy and crying and shouting and all that. Like, ah, you know. That's what video games does, right? It's a, it's a fantastic thing that joins everyone together, but it's, it just does. And like those moments are so special, you know, and to see those people, it's like it's like England scored a goal in the World Cup. It was like that, right? And the people went ballistically mental, crying, didn't know what to do with themselves. I was the same. And I, and I knew it was coming. And I, I knew it was, it was, you know, I was still going like the rest of them. So such an absolute life moment for me. I never forget that. Amazing. Oh, my gosh. On the topic of Spiral Mountain, actually, this is quite a personal question. 
me and my brother throughout the entirety of banjo tui we were listening to the 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 melody that sort of carries through most of the game's soundtrack um i always used to say um that it sounded like teddy bear picnic is is it based on anything or is it like well i get asked that quite a lot i'm like it is reminiscent for definite and i was thinking about it at the time so i you know I don't possibly like I don't think I was definitely think I thought it banded the bear and I, I, probably, I probably sat there going did the, the, the you know the teddy I guess you know so but I don't think I really modelled it on it but I know it's very similar it's in six A and Grunty's the Grunty it's Grunty's theme right you know I guess it's, cool, it's yeah. similar so but I never I don't think at the time it was really mass I, I definitely thought about it no doubt about it but I, I don't feel like I really purposely did that. Um, but I can see why you'd say that. I guess that a lot. So I'm, I'm always a bit vague about that because I really can't remember. Um, there was a well, point of a point of argument between me and my brother for many years. <laughs> yeah, I kind of feel like it's 50-50 really. I guess, you know, I guess, yeah. So you're half no, right. Totally. <laughs> it's good for eight-year-old me. Yeah, no. Yeah, I get yeah. that a lot. So that's all right. Yeah, no, because you're incredible with fans uh, as well. Um, sorry. I always, I always feel like... On my Twitter, I really try super hard to reply to anybody that I can. I, tr- I try really hard to do that. Because I always think to myself, if I could tweet at John Williams and, and say, hey, John, mate, I think you're fantastic, and he just goes, cheers, Grant, I'd probably frame that and put it on my wall just that he'd reply to me, you know. And I'm not saying that I'm anywhere near that how mega famous he is. I'm, I'm not. But anybody that, that mentioned me on Twitter, I do try to sort of say thanks or like it or something like that, you know, because I think I just think it's the right thing to do. If they can be bothered to write to me, it's at least I need to bother to write back, you know. So I do really try hard to do that. And also, you know, I'm sat here, you know, 10 hours a day, whatever it is, right? So in between rendering it out, I've just got Twitter, have a little look, have a little reply back to the music and, you know, do it like that. So, you know, so I'm, I'm, so I'm, more, I'm sat on Twitter a lot of the time. Even though I'm not looking at it, it's loaded up and I can, I can quickly look at it when I'm bored of composing or I can't think what to do next, you know? So, um, yeah, I really try hard to, 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 to message back anybody that sort of messages me. Uh- just to bounce off, you were talking earlier about um, people covering your music and one cover that you were a part of that uh, stands out more specifically because we have uh, an interview with him coming up very soon as well, uh, cool. was Family Jewels when you played the final battle theme with him. How did um, how did that collaboration come together? So I've known Jules for a while, uh, quite a long time. So, we, you know, I've known for ages, really. Uh, so Danny Baranowski and him and mates, and we had mates together, so, you know, kind of thing. Uh, and uh, he kept saying to me, what, you know, why don't you come and play on a, on a, on a, a, something with me? I was like, well, yeah, when I get around to it, he's, he's badgering me for quite a while. I didn't have the time, really. And it finally, the time was right when I had time to do it. And he goes, we're going to do the final battle. I thought, oh, God, because Jules is such a phenomenal guitar and I'm not as good as him by any means. I'm certainly not these days. I mean, back in the day, maybe, but, well, probably not even then, you know, because he's so brilliant. I, th- I thought, I'm just not, I'm, I'm able to do it. I'll be crap, you know. He said, no, come on, it'll be all right. So he sent me the parts. I was like, oh, my God, I've got to practice to try and do bits of it, you know, and I cheated putting bits together because I was so crap, you know. Uh, and he goes, you just film it in your backyard. I said, well, come on, then. So he brought, he brought his, his girlfriend, Adri- Adriana, Adriana, I forget, I forget. Um, uh, and she did the filming of it all. He said, come on, just do it in the backyard. It'll be fun. So we did it. And then my neighbours were out going, what are you doing, you know? <laughs> you know? Uh, and so and it turned out great, you know, and Jules was a great lad. He was a great player. And you know, I just did the, my parts. He did, he put it all together. He did all the backing parts and all. He did all that stuff. It wasn't me. Uh, and it turned out great, you know. So that was super good fun. And I'd say me and Jill's a good mate, so it's good fun to do. Fair, fair. I will say, um, as as a fan, when I did watch that 
um i was very surprised to see you shredding um on guitar that was something that i never really put together with you i was always pictured the marimba that you're pretty well known for right, yeah, um, no. yeah no that was that was fascinating dem Yes, no. So we wanted to ask um, one final question, which was about Minecraft Dungeon, which you recently uh, posted about. Can you tell us anything more about that? So they contacted me uh, probably uh, Christmas time, maybe something. I, think, I feel like that. Maybe at some time like that it was Sam, Samuel Aberg is the audio director, and Peter Hunt, who's a composer, who does most of the Minecraft stuff, and said um, we'd like to work on distance for Minecraft. I was like. Have you got the right composer? Because I've not really known for doing that kind of synthy stuff, not these days anyway. I said, yeah, 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 no, we want you. I said, are you sure you got another Grand Kirk up somewhere else? And no, no, it's you. Uh, and so uh, that, you know, I really, really enjoyed doing that. I've done, done a lot of synthy stuff for a while. I, you know, I do most orchestral or something like that. So it was great for messing around with synths. Peter Hunt was a, a guy that, I, the composer who I talked to the most, he was kind of, he used to say, yeah, try this, try that, maybe move that, you know, move things around, you know, he used to advise me. And Samuel Aberg was, was audio director, was great. So that was super good fun to do. They were super nice to me. Um, and I really, you know, it was great fun to do. And like writing that kind of ambient music, I'm not really known for that, you know. So it was good to do, some, do something different for a change. Uh, and Minecraft's massive. And my kids, my daughter's addicted to Minecraft and she's addicted to Quackity. He's the Minecraft guy, you know. Uh, and so, um, so yeah, so just that was fantastic fun to do. I mean, I, mean, I did it about, must have finished it maybe Marchish. I think Marchish time. It just takes some time to put it all together. But it's out now, so... Listen to it if you like it or not. So you know, it's, uh, it was super cool to do. Um, you know, I, I feel like it was nice for them to, to ask me, especially when I'm sometimes not done for doing that kind of music. It took a leap of faith, getting old me to have a go at the, the synthy stuff, you know. Uh, and so uh, it turned out great. So no, it's good fun. It's super exciting. I'm definitely going to play it now. <laughs> yeah, it was good fun. Yeah, really. yeah, and uh, they got a couple other guys. Some Peter did a lot of traction. Another guy, so couldn't blank on his name. I can't, oh, he's going to kill me for not remembering his name. My, my memory's bad these days. But yeah, you know, it's, it's music's great. I mean, you know, their stuff's great. Mine's all right. Theirs is great. <laughs> no, no, that's, um, that's unbelievably exciting. And uh, we, we've gone over time a little bit. For those who don't know listening, we, we asked for half an hour and we're almost at 40 minutes. So definitely thank you for the overtime on that. Um, honestly, I'm happy to chat as long as you want. I don't mind. It's up to you, honestly. I don't know. We'll be here forever. <laughs> Literally be here all day. Just we'll go get lunch, come back, have a coffee. It'll be great. <laughs> um, well, in that case, I will ask an extra question before I guess we send it off. Um, if there was any any game, any franchise, uh, anything that you would like to do uh, a composition for in any style, what would it be? Games with Zelda for definite. Ooh. Because uh, Zelda Link to the Past is my favorite game of all time. I love that game. I just think it's absolutely perfect. Uh, Movie-wise, I'd, I'd probably I'd love a crack at a Marvel movie or Harry Potter. Like I'm a Harry Potter mad, so I'd love a crack at either of those. But I think that's, good. that's probably going to be unlikely. Um, but uh, oh, I'll tell you what it would be. It would be to write the music for the Mario movie that Illumination are making. That was what it would be. I'd Ooh. love to do that. And I kind of feel like I've written for Mario now, so Nintendo know who I am. I'm a Western LA composer. You know, like give me that gig. <laughs> But, uh, but uh, yeah, for games, Zelda for definite. I'd love to do Zelda again. Oh, that's that's exciting. That's exciting. And we are, unfortunately, I guess, coming to the end of our time. Um, but we're not going to run off just yet. But I did want to ask if people want to find you or if you've got anything exciting to hype up, um, go ahead. Well, I've got things exciting to hype up, but I can't tell you what they are, unfortunately. Oh, so, 
uh, <laughs> I was the same with video game composer. You can't tell what you work. Like a movie's always announced a composer. Yeah, everyone, but with games, you can't say a word because the game's a secret, right? So I would be lynched if I was to tell you uh, what I'm working on. I've done a couple of indie movies this last last year. One called uh, Shadows, and one called The Handler by a director here called Michael Mateos, who's kind of up and coming director. Uh, and I did a I did a little video. I tell you what, I did a little animation short called The Wrong Rock, and it's on YouTube. And it's directed by a guy called Michael Kaywood. It was rare when I was there. We just didn't know each other because we're on different teams. So it was bizarre. We both ended up in LA and kind of, oh, you know, why don't you write music for this? So I did music for him. It's a really fantastic. It's only 14 minutes long. Uh, it's, it's, it's a super high quality, like DreamWorks, Pixar animation quality. It's really high because he, he works on big blockbusters like Bumblebee and, you know, Planet of the Apes and all the movies. He does all, he does all that stuff, right? It's amazing. So uh, he did, he's only a short movie. The Wrong Rock. I guarantee if you watch it, You'll, you'll have a smile on your face when you finish. That's what I will say. I will say just quickly, giving us the whole you can't talk about your next project right right outside of E3, this will go up just before E3. So that's very, very teasing. Uh, yes. That's we'll also very exciting. You'll hear something around that time, I think. Maybe sooner. But, um... Oh, great. No. I'm dying to tell you about a cat. So that's that. That's fair. That's fair. <laughs> Uh, Nick, did you want to jump in? What's up? <laughs> <laughs> I'm just, I'm just here enjoying the all the knowledge. I've got nothing more to say. Well, then, you mean all the nonsense that I speak? It's all nonsense. Not knowledge, it's all nonsense. <laughs> no, we, <laughs> we had a joke while we were writing the questions for this that it was just like, what do we even ask him? It's just we're not worthy. Yeah. We're just like doing these ones. <laughs> Oh, only me. Ask me anything you like. I don't care. I don't mind. I'm, I'm happy to chat about anything. Amazing. I love that so much. Well, we did have one last thing. It's it's funny. Um, Jacob got your email back um, and was like, so he wants to interview on the 12th of May. Um, and I was like, you're joking. That's my birthday. Oh. Um, <laughs> so today is my birthday. Um, I was born on this day in 1996. Um, and I just wanted to say thank you for divining the oh, start of my life. Just one <laughs> it's second. amazing. Just one second. Oh. Look at this. <laughs> really in tune. Happy birthday to you. I can't see it. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday to Dan. One note. Happy birthday to you. There you go. Yay! <laughs> I, did, I did play very badly, but you got the gist, right? Oh, it's a vibe. It's a vibe. Thank you so much. Um, it, uh, thank you for everything you have done. I think I speak for Nick. If um, Nick will probably want to say something in a minute as well. But your music has defined so much of my love for video games. Um, and this is a true honour. So thank you for coming. Thank you for talking to us. And thank you for seeing me. Happy birthday. That's really nice. Oh, my God. I'm going to make that my ringtone. Thanks, thanks for asking. That's what I, I yeah. appreciate it. So good. Um, Nick, <laughs> did you have anything to add? Ah. Uh. Thank you for your work. Seriously, the for me my my childhood experience. Like, if we came pre-installed with things that we know, like everyone knows what Scooby Doo is, you just know it, right? Right. For me, it was Donkey Kong sixty four, Goldeneye, Mario sixty four, Banjo Kazooie, and yeah, those those games. But specifically because three of those are yours, those uh those mean a lot to me, and it's uh it's the reason why I have the hat. Got the amiibo over there, and no matter what, no wherever I am, I have a memory for each of your tracks. It's kind of wild. The bus stop, 
Gobi's Valley. Let's go. But uh, yeah, I just want to say thank you for the work. It's really just awesome. I'm glad you like it. Thank you very much. And I will, and I, I will follow that again and just say thank you for not only your time uh, here on the interview, because uh, admittedly, I didn't expect to get the email back. Um, right. So it was a pleasant, pleasant surprise. But um, no, thank you for your time and echoing both Dem and Nick. Thank you for the work throughout the years. And I will say uh, on Player One, we do have one host who asked uh, one thing to be mentioned. He personally isn't a big fan of the DK rap. Do you have yeah. any words for him? Well, I mean, you know, he's obviously got something wrong with him. If he likes the DK rap, hasn't he? he's got, you know, you know, no one should really like the DK rap, really. It's so terrible. Uh, so uh, all I can say is that I've got to say, oh, banana. How about that? <laughs> oh, that's a good one. Uh, thank you for joining us and keep an eye out for our next interview on Sin. We don't know necessarily what it will be, but keep an eye out for it.